Charlie, and welcome to the podcast that's about to take your faith on a delightful and slightly unpredictable journey. That's right. It's time to dive into the world of messy antics. Now, if you've ever found yourself caught between the matzo cracker and the communion wafer, you're in for an absolute treat. We're here to chat about all things messianic and Torah, and let me tell you, it's a roller coaster of divine proportions. Think of us as your trusty guide in this biblical amusement park. We're going to explore the highs and the lows, the holobread wins, and the wandering in the wilderness fails. Get ready for candid conversations, guest appearance by prophets, well, maybe just their descendants, and discussions about what it's really like to walk out this whole word of Adonai. So whether you're a seasoned sukkah assembler or you're just wondering about what on earth is a mezuzah, join us for some laughter and maybe learning a little bit about this holy chaos. After all, life is me- No, I, we were sitting here talking before we hit the record button. This happens all the time, but today it was pretty powerful. And, and my guest was like, wait, are we recording? Like we're using all the good stuff. So you are going to want to stay for this. And before we get going too much farther, would you just take a quick minute? If you're watching on YouTube, would you just hit the subscribe button? It really makes a difference. It allows other people to see it. It opens up analytics, blah, blah, blah. Like there's a lot going behind it, but it's important. So like, subscribe, it really makes a big difference. Share this with your friends because I feel that the world needs to hear um, the exciting news of Torah. They get to see Jesus in Torah. They get to see the fun part of this and it's not so hard and it's not so, it gets messy and it's fun. And so I, I just take a minute right now and hit the subscribe whatever you're listening to or watching, but I'm going to just introduce my guest right now, Chris Frankie. Most of you know him. He has been a full Bible Christian since 2007. He founded the Hebraic Roots Network, the Revive Conferences, and has served as the executive level, I'm turning my teleprompter on correctly, and has served at the executive level of many different Messianic ministries. He has also released music under the name Mason Clover since 2008. He, along with his wife, April, his co, he refers to her, his co, his Isaiah Connector co, now serve at, as senior pastors at HFF Church in Oklahoma City and the founding director of their Dallas campus, HFFDFW. Welcome, Chris. Welcome to me on your show. I'm excited. I, I get to watch your show. You know, you just had uh, one of our pastors, Erica Bronze, on as well uh, on the podcast, and uh, I'm excited to be here. Thank you for uh, extending the invitation and uh, giving me an opportunity to be here. Well, this is going to be uh, powerful, I believe, and I, I'm praying already that people will be set free. You and I have a conversation about both of us, how we how we came into this whole Bible believing and where we saw Jesus actually come alive in the Old Testament, or maybe we may have grown up in just uh, the Gospels and maybe just the epistles. Can you share your story of like how you came into this whole Bible belief? Yeah. So, um, you know, the short version of it is basically I walked away from the Lord after uh, being raised in the Presbyterian church. I went to a Baptist church for a short period of time uh, and then a small Nazarene church. And uh, I walked away from the the church. And honestly, God, really, I think I was 18, about the years 18 to 20 uh, of my life. Um, 
went through multiple church splits. I was very close to the leadership and had friends and family on both sides of those. And so at that age, I was really just kind of tired of the politics and the hurt, uh, you know, the trauma drama, as I like to say repeatedly. Uh, and so I walked away. Um, in that time, I was the lead singer of a band and we traveled around Cincinnati, Ohio in the areas playing at Bogarts and some of the just large facilities. Um, met my wife and uh we got married lived together before we got married sorry it happened uh and uh so we did that uh we were just totally fine with life and um 2004 uh we decided that we were going to stop eating pork and stop celebrating christmas we weren't religious she wasn't religious we weren't going to church we weren't watching internet teachings anything we just for whatever reason, and I don't exactly remember why, we just like, ah, you know, we don't need to do this anymore. Uh, and so we stopped and um, moved to Nashville. Uh, I got promoted in the company I was in. Um, we were both extremely successful in our careers very early on, you know, in our 20s. And her mom um, started to walk a full Bible belief. And uh, she started challenging us in our faith because we weren't practicing at all. I mean, I was working at least six days a week, you know, as the executive over a company. Um, and uh, we just had no aspirations or goals of anything to do with God or anything. Um, our marriage was struggling. And, uh, but our careers were not. And, you know, it was kind of that, like, you're so successful in leading companies that when you come home, how do you figure out how to work together? Cause you're both leaders of companies and employees. We couldn't figure it out. We were real young. And so she's challenging us with different biblical scriptures. And I'm like, no, no, that's not true. You know, I was raised in the church. You weren't raised in the church. I know that's not true. So I actually started studying the Bible just to prove my mother-in-law wrong. And uh, <laughs> the more I studied the Bible to prove my mother-in-law wrong, the more I realized that, uh, hey, I'm, I'm, I may not be fully like in line with what the scriptures say. And so again, our marriage was struggling and we got in a knockdown, drag them out fight. Uh, one day it was a, a Friday night, Saturday morning. We woke up. I was going to go find an attorney to get a divorce. And my wife decided she was going to go to a Sabbath keeping fellowship that her mom had uh, recommended to her. And that was kind of her jab at me, you know, like, Hey, look, you like, you're, you're frustrated with my mom on this spiritual things. And I'm going to go to this. And, uh, I had seven things, and honestly, I don't remember what they are. The Lord kind of healed me of that bitterness a while ago, but there were seven things I remember telling the Lord when I left the church when I was 18, and I was never going to step foot in any type of religious institution, a church, a home group, whatever, until those seven answers were met. And so my wife came home uh, after like 10 hours. You know what Messianics do? Like They all literally like end up like the whole entire Sabbath is like... It's a, it's a lot. Uh, and so when she came home, I asked her those seven things. Now I had never divulged that to her and, uh, all of her answers were exactly what I needed at that point. And so we started, uh, honoring the Sabbath and going to that fellowship, um, the very next week, um, you know, Scott Diffenderfer, who was the, the shepherd there, um, helped save my marriage, uh, and, went through some pretty intensive with him on um, what does the Bible say about leading a household and submitting to each other and how do you function in that way? Um, and it was pretty healthy. You know, a lot of times we hear those types of things in the Messianic Hebrew root side of things, and it's not healthy. It's like, hey, one just needs to fully submit to the other and they don't have a voice. And uh, honestly, it's really, it's, it's forms of mental, spiritual, emotional abuse. And so, um, 
I didn't get that with Scott. Scott actually gave us some really balanced counsel walk through it. And we kind of got thrust right into what is the modern day multiple movements because it's kind of split and people do whatever, whatever you call the independent messianic, Hebrew roots, Hebraic roots, Sabbath keeping, Torah observant, uh, Torah pursuant. It's literally had so many different names throughout all the times. We got thrust into that right away. Um, and so uh, we were very legalistic up front um, in what we did. I remember honoring the Sabbath, probably what, what I would say was the most um, literal sense of the word uh, in those days. Uh, if, I, if I was just letter of the law, like how do I take letter of the law and just copy that into action? But we couldn't wait for the Sabbath to be over. Um, we went from working full time and Saturdays were a full busy day to Saturdays are now a day where we were, we were afraid to cook. Uh, we were afraid to clean. We were afraid to drive too far. We were afraid to do whatever. Um, and so, uh, by the grace of God, we're still honoring the Sabbath today, 17 years later. But the way we honor the Sabbath day today, uh, looks very different than what we did before. And honestly, it looks different almost every quarter. Like, you know, sometimes we'll go to families' houses in the church and they do it more traditional and we find beauty in that. And then there's sometimes where it's like basically Taco Tuesday part two and we're just hanging out, chilling, whatever. Um, but that's really the first revelation of the full Bible for me. Um, and then about a year ago, uh, my life just completely changed. My family started taking a 30 day sabbatical in November and, uh, we would go to, uh, Florida and we would basically just go off grid. It was our time with the Lord just saying, Hey, what do you want? How, how does this work? What does that look like? And, um, I had founded HFF church in December of 2015, but I wasn't, I, I wasn't making any money. I wasn't on staff there, whatever. I was doing that for an international ministry. And in November of last year, I was just praying to the Lord. I was like, Hey, look, um, you know, I, I function a little bit better in my apostolic gift. And so if that's where I'm providing for my family and that seems to have the most influence, 175,000 people uh, a month we were influencing, Lord, release me from being a pastor of this church. Uh, and let me just kind of go focus on my apostolic side. Um, had my toes in the water in Destin, Florida, and, and almost audibly, he said, how do you want me to release you from something you've never walked in? Uh, I can't release you as a pastor. You've never been a pastor. Uh, and I was, quite honestly, I was a little angry. Um, yeah, I've been a pastor since 2015, technically longer, but functioning since 2015. And he said, no, um, what good is a house if people don't live in it? What good is a fire station if you haven't raised up firefighters? What good is all these things you've done? Kind of in reference, I think back to the, well, Lord, I cast out demons in your name and I did all these things. He's like, depart from me. I never knew you. Well, that was my moment with him where it was like, you haven't shepherded anybody. You haven't pastored anybody. You haven't done what I've called you to do. And little did I know that the, the day I came back from that sabbatical, um, I was going to be let go from the international ministry that I was a part of. And so um, we just finally felt like we had an exodus moment where we knew what God told us to do. He said, uh, even in November, before I knew that I wasn't going to have my job, he said, don't make any big decisions until the Feast of Tabernacles next year. And we didn't really know what that meant. But I come home, uh, pretty much all the staff has let go, um, including myself. And we probably would have run. We probably would have packed up and taken a job with another ministry, moved back to Ohio where our family is at. But we knew God had said, you haven't been a pastor. 
you need to stay till tabernacles. And so we just started to fast, pray, and press into the community that we had been a part of and founded in 2015, um, not really knowing exactly what the Lord wanted to do. We were 35, maybe 50. I think we were probably closer to 35, but we maybe were 50 people. Um, and this last year, the revelation of the Torah has been unlike anything. And, and I say that because a lot of times as, as Christians who come into the understanding of the feasts and the festivals and dietary and, and all these things that are given in the Mosaic covenant, a lot of times we do the very same thing that we claim that non-denominational Christians and Baptists do. Well, they only accept Jesus and they really, their replacement theology, all these types of things. Well, a lot of times when you get the revelation of the Torah, we do the same thing. We actually yes. leave Jesus to a certain degree. And, and, and I will say not everybody, there's always exceptions to the rule, but we almost go full pendulum swing to the other side where I need to understand the Sabbath. I need to understand what I can and cannot do. It becomes almost a checklist of things that you should or shouldn't do. And so the freedom that you had in Yeshua and Jesus, um, while I believe that the Torah gives more boundaries to that and what that looks like, kind of guardrails on the road, so to speak, um, we almost go to the opposite side where all of a sudden we become um, – one day I was a plumber and now I'm a Pharisee uh, and, and I didn't go through Judaism. So it's not like I went through a school and I had 12, 15, 20, 30 years of, of walking it out in a community and understanding. Most people start ministries in their first two to three years of coming into a full Bible belief. And so they've swing the pendulum so far to where Yeshua is almost, Jesus is almost put on the back burner. Um, and we just decided that in this last year with the revelation God kept giving us was that, well, the whole entire revelation to Adam and Eve was Yeshua. The whole entire revelation to Abraham was Yeshua. The entire revelation to Noah was Yeshua. The entire revelation of Moses and Sinai in the wilderness and the tabernacle and the temple and the second temple, and it was Yeshua. And the book of Hebrews tells us that, but this is why the book of Hebrews a lot of times gets assaulted uh, by by front of the book people is that we can't, we lose the fact that God is progressive in the revelation to the final revelation. And the final revelation is, is that he was going to come out of the heavens and he was going to walk through the pieces. Why is that even foreign? He did it with Abraham. And so like, it's not even a New Testament concept. It's, it's, it's written in the four shadows of the Bible. He's going to be the deliverer who's going to take us through the sea. He's going to be the one who delivers us from slavery. And then the greater exodus, which is is not some futuristic event. The greater exodus was the cross, the, the bondage of sin and death. He was going to do that. And that was the progressive nature of his plan to bring us back into communion with him like we had in the garden. And then the outpouring of his spirit. Uh, I think it's Paul who says that, you know, the spirit is Jesus's spirit. And so um, just to think about, you know, the revelation of the Torah this year is that we were never supposed to go back to Sinai. Um, it wasn't like, you know, we talk about the cyclical thought process. I think it's Valerie right. Modi who does Hebrew versus Greek yeah. thinking. Mm -hmm. um, my, big but fat, whether it's, my big fat Greek mindset. We'll put that link down yes. in the space. <laughs> yes. yes, absolutely. So like whether it's cyclical or it's linear, why do we want to go back when God didn't even keep us there? He wanted to progress us into relationship with him. And so, um, the first part of my walk in, in 2007 uh, 
was a very literal interpretation. Um, and, and honestly, I mean, I didn't have joy. Some of the commandments of the Sabbath, some of the commandments of the, of the old Testament, I didn't have those. Um, and this year, uh, people might say I'm lukewarm or I'm backsliding or whatever. It's simply not the case. Uh, nothing in my practice of my faith has changed. Um, I just have had a, a weird revelation. I, I shouldn't even say weird. I've had a revelation to the point where, um, you have to look at it through the lens of Yeshua. And maybe I'm finally 17 years in getting to the point where I can do that, where I'm not separating the two. Um, but I see the Sabbath as, as Yeshua. I see it as I get to rest in him. Um, and rather than I get to cease from my work, I get to work from a place of rest. And mm. so like, I, it's just a, it, it's a completely different revelation and mindset over the last year. And, um, we've really, my family, my wife and I, we've, we've just embraced it. My kids have embraced it. We just are all in on the entire Genesis to revelation. We've seen healings, we've seen miracles, we've seen life set free. And what we're talking about is not like, okay, well, some Baptist came through the door, some Pentecostal or non-denominational. We're talking about second, maybe even third generation people who grew up in the Messianic Hebrew roots movement. And so now we're starting to see after we've done a year's worth of work on like, what does the Bible actually say? How do you actually heal? How do you actually be delivered? How do you actually walk that out in, in Yeshua? Now we're starting to see people come from every different denomination and they're saying, well, I want to know about the feast. And rather than it just be Brent Avery or, or, or Chris Frankie or April Frankie, we have a whole core group of people who've been mm. walking for over a year who really have gotten to a place where they can healthy, be healthy and show people that, um, you know, we didn't go under the Torah and go back under the law. Um, we didn't do that so we could cover up the fact that we're still addicted to porn, alcoholics, gluttonous, lustful, all the other things that, that are there. A lot of people just mask like, well, I wear a ZTO. Um, it's like, well, that's fantastic. But do you, do you check for menstrual cycles at the door? Uh, do you check for circumcisions at the door? Like, no. So, Christianity isn't the only people who choose a buffet style of what they're going to apply and what they're not. It's a human issue. And we finally got into a place in this last year where we felt released to say, like, I don't care how you keep the Sabbath. Um, I, I'll, I'll tell you how I do it and I'll love you through it. Um, but I don't get to come knock on your front door and be the, the Sabbath police or be the Jesus Correct. police or anything. I can love you even if we're not walking identically. And I can do that because I actually trust the power of the Holy Spirit to be the one that actually brings the seeds that have been sown to fruition. It's not me, not my intellect, not my ability. It's God. And when you finally get to a place where you can lay everything down, you can say, I don't have to have the answer. I don't have to have some Hebrew idiom that's going to wow you or some Greek-like thing. I just got to show you God and I've got to push you towards the experience of getting into an intimate relationship of prayer, fasting, seeking. There's some massive revelations that can come to that. And uh, um, it's exciting. It's exciting to hear because you, the, the word I keep hearing over and over, it's like the, the Holy Spirit mantra right now in my heart is the Holy Spirit will lead you in all truth. Yep. Not Charlie Brown, not Chris Frankie. Not whoever you are, who you think you're a Torah terrorist, that you are going to come in and make the world right and, or blow it up. He will lead you in all truth. 
And is the fruit of the spirit evident in our lives? Are we walking in joy? Are we walking in love? Are we walking in gentleness? Hello? Kindness, self-control. Can we hold our tongue and say less? Are we able to just love people the way that Jesus did it? He said, I'm going to show you, I'm going to show you how to walk this way, right? Let's walk this way. And we get to watch how he did it. We get to watch who he came to. We get to watch who he spoke to, how he spoke to them. He didn't spoken, speak in these big, giant, big intellectual forms. I mean, that's why, right? The Greeks and everything about who is this guy? He's just not even like debating properly. He's talking about fishing and seeds and it's so elementary. Who is this guy? But yet we think we have to talk in these big uh, educational forum manners and Well, part of that is just our history. I mean, part of that's just the history. I mean, uh, when you look at our culture today, knowledge is increasing at at such a fast rate. Uh, And Westerners, especially, which is most of who our audiences are, um, we already believe we're more intellectual or more superior to a lot of people because it's just it's 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 an atmosphere of wealth in the United States of America, wealth of knowledge, wealth of whatever. Uh, Most people and I know there are exceptions. Most people don't understand the poverty that is in Bosnia or Uganda or these places. We don't have that. We think of poverty is my vehicle is 20 years old. Um, right. I bought First old world Navy. Poverty. Yeah, I bought <laughs> old Navy versus Versace or whatever it is. Um, it's it's a skewed, but our so we already my have iPhone, that my iPhone is two generations back, right? That's- yes, hundred percent. Hundred percent. And then then we get into a place where all of a sudden we have a teacher centric movement, which was about the last 40 years. Um, it's let me teach you what you haven't been taught. And we lost the, the fivefold ministry. We lost the, the apostolic office. Uh, we lost the prophetic, but one of the greatest issues we lost is we lost the pastor and people say pastor is not in the Bible. And we lost the shepherding. We lost the community. Um, a community is not an online community. A, a community is not a place. And I understand not everybody is in a place where there's, there's people of like-mindedness with them. But, um, when you look at Sinai, God didn't give Moses some revelation of the commandments and say, uh, now your job is to just go speak this to the people and walk away and have them figure out how they're supposed to do it. No, they had to wander in the wilderness for God to refine them, to show them, to reveal to them. It wasn't about the regulation. It was about the mm-hmm. revelation. And in doing so, it took a period of time. That's God. I'm not God. You're not God. So we have 40 years worth of people who lacked shepherding, lacked pastors, lacked community. And so um, now that's changing. You've got Pastor Matthew Vanderels out in, in South Carolina, Pastor uh, Matt Knapper. Uh, you've got Pastor Brian Serrano. You've got the bronze down in DFW. There's, there's, and there's many more. I know there's many more. Um, but their focus is we're not interested in being a teaching ministry. We're not interested in blowing in town uh, and giving you some sort of like deep, revelation that's going to split a church anymore. And so we're finally maybe getting back to the place of even where Sinai was, where it's like, okay, well, we, we, we maybe understand Genesis to revelation a lot more than a lot of Christians. Maybe we read more, maybe we don't, whatever. Now, how do we actually walk in the revelation? And that can only be done in a community. And in a community, you have to confess your sins. People have to accept the confession of sins and still love you and still walk with you and still do all of that. You have to rejoice in the joy of other people rather than choosing bitterness. But this is ultimately falling out of agreement with an orphan spirit. 
we're one of the prodigal sons. We're either the one who rebelled and walked away or we're the one who's mad because the dad accepted the other person in. And we're trying to shake that off as full Bible believers right now and say, you know what? You can be God's daughter and I can be his son. And maybe he blessed you more than he blessed me today, but that's totally fine because through him are all things. So if he blesses you today, he'll bless me when he needs to bless me over here because all currency, all resources, all things are his. Um, and that's a submission. That's that's a humility to stand in a place that says, if God is blessing somebody else with a revelation or with finances or with health or with joy, um, I don't need to be mad. I don't need to be angry. I don't need to be in, in these types of places. Um, I need to keep pressing into God for mine when God is ready to give that to me. Uh, but it's a lot easier for us to, to go back and say, well, they lied to us. They're lying to us. This calendar's right. That calendar's right. Christmas is pagan. Um, people who eat pork aren't going to enter into the kingdom of God. All these different things. It's easier to look outwardly and be judgmental. Um, Trump is the savior. Biden's the antichrist. Obama's the antichrist. Trump's the antichrist. All those things are irrelevant. Um, they don't matter in the sake mm-hmm. of, you know, you have issues in your walk. You have issues in, in how you apply the Bible. We all do. Nobody is void of it. How do we grow closer to God so that we can actually walk in our Ephesians calling? Um, and, and most of us don't even know how to find that, let alone might be scared of it. You know, I had somebody say like, oh, are you guys doing deliverance ministry? Like Messianics don't do deliverance <laughs> ministries. And it's like, uh, yes, they do. Uh, and the reason why they do is because go read the New Testament. Go read the Messianic King. Like they, they deliver. What about people. greater things? What about that, Chris? What about greater things? Are we seeing greater yeah. things in our communities? And if we're not, then it's time to take a step back. And ask him where where are we where are we going wrong? What do we what do I change me? Not change yep. you, not change you. Change me, Lord. Change me. Because I want to see greater things, Chris. That's my heart. I want to see greater things. As I'm working with, I do a lot of work with leadership and ministry leadership. And as I'm talking to them, the thing that it's happening, it's the craziest, simplest thing that I'm teaching leaders right now. They're calling me saying, I'm struggling. This is what's going on in my congregation. This is my fellowship, whatever. This person came to me and they said, she said, da, 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 da. My first question is always, well, what did they say? What happened when you told her to go? What did they say when they talked to that person first? Well, they didn't. They came to me and, okay, wait, then that's out of order. What did they say? Then then what you get to do is you get to go, okay, let's call. Because if you came into my office and you, Chris, are saying, Johnny Joe over here is this is happening. I say, okay, hold on a second. So what happened when you talked to him? Well, I haven't. Well, what, what happened when you prayed? Well, I just want to just, you know, walk this out verbally with you. Okay. Well you go do that first. And then if you still haven't settled it, come back to me so that I can help you uh, facilitate what's going on. And then we can, do we need to do a three-way right now? Cause that's what the word yep. says. Let me do a three-way and let's all talk about it. Let's pray. Let's see what God's saying about this. We get to go back to some really simple basics. I love people, disciple them and show them how to walk it out by themselves. And I love that that's what you're doing. And it's, we ask the question here all the time, or I do about how did it get messy for you? I think where it got messy is throwing the baby out with the bathwater, right? I mean, that's where we all are kind of coming back to this place. Is there anything else you can think of where it kind of got messy for you? You know, I think there is, 
there's a lot of things that are said that aren't true in 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 this corner of Christianity. They'll say we're not under the law, we're saved by grace. Um, they don't actually believe that. A lot of people don't believe that. Um, they absolutely are terrified if they make a, a a step to the left or a step to the right that somehow they will fall from the grace of God. Um, and, and people will say it's not true. I'm sorry, 175,000 people a month up until this year. Uh, since 2011, I've been engaging with all over the country who have various different practices of this faith. It's 100%, at least the majority of people believe that way subconsciously. Um, that's a problem. When you walk in fear uh, that somehow the Lord is going to be some sort of abusive father or abusive daddy, God, um, you're scared to death of what you do for justification. And and so that's one big issue that gets awry. The second is, is it says a little knowledge puffs up. And all of a sudden you've got somebody who is a Baptist or you got somebody who is evangelical free or a Presbyterian, a Nazarene, whatever, and whatever their specialty was, whatever the, the corner of Christianity honed in on them was, they say, oh, wait, there's more. And then it's like, oh, well, the Torah is more. And it, it, it creates an improper balance. It gets messy then. Um, it got messy in my life that way. When I finally realized that the Torah is the revelation of God uh, that should point you to adjust your walk based upon Yeshua, God in the flesh, Jesus Christ. Like everything changed for me, but I had been walking this way for a long period of time. And so it got less messy because I stopped caring like you were saying. I stopped caring about like what you do. I don't care what you do. Like if you call me, I will come running. I will help you. I'll help your husband, whatever. But I don't sit around looking for social media or gossip or slander or ways to say that somehow you've messed this up or you don't have this right interpretation because then I'm placing myself in a position of a seat I never was in. I'm basically saying I'm the high priest and I'm going to go in and do it my way because my way is the most correct way. Uh, and the book of Hebrews tells us we only have one high priest. Uh, and even if you want to go back to the Levitical priesthood, um, random Israelites didn't just get to choose to be the weight of that, that responsibility. No. And the ones no. who did, didn't fare well. Um, no, when you end and, up having a picnic under the wrong tree, you're under the tree of yep. knowledge of good and evil, and you've just busted out a picnic, and you're sitting there as opposed to this tree of life where you're giving. You yep. are love. You are grace. You are walking in those spirit that, that those spiritual fruits. If you can't submit to the fact that most likely you're wrong on something, um, then you will put yourself in a position of judge, God, king, high priest, whatever, and it will get messy in every single area that's there. Um, you know, I love what you said about, you know, just doing the simple things of the word. Um, you'll watch people squirm really, really quickly when you say, hey, let's go get the other person and let's sit down and have a conversation. I want to just help you mediate to fix it. They squirm and then they leave oh, and yeah. then they curse you or you're a heretic mm -hmm. or you're whatever. And it's mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. I didn't, I literally had no involvement in this. I'm here to help you to solve the problem. That's trauma drama. It's church hurt. And well, only the church has it. No, no. Messianic Hebrew roots people have it too. And it's messy. Um, the more we can focus on getting our healing, our deliverance, our empowerment of the Holy Spirit and rejoice for others who get the same, like praise God, 
Praise God if 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 you can lay hands on somebody tomorrow and they get healed. Why would I be jealous or envious of that? Um, why would I be jealous or envious of Pentecostals who could lay hands on this on 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 somebody and they would be set free or they would be healed? Like at what point in time is that a bad thing in the Bible? Just because they ate a pork sandwich afterwards? Like rejoice in the winds of the Lord and the outpouring of the Spirit of the Lord, and don't always expect everybody to win every game. Um, and then allow yourself to not win every game too, and recognize that, you know, we have not arrived. And and that's the thing. It's like, oh, well, I had Jesus and now I have the Torah. And there's this subconscious, I've arrived at the enlightenment of the entire Bible. No, you haven't. Until the Tried. day you die. Ooh. Yeah, well, 100%. Until the day you die, you better be striving for the hem of the garment of Jesus and the revelation of Jesus in whatever area of your life that you need. Um, because that's the only way you're you're going to live a fruitful life. That's the only way you're going to be set free. I feel like the more I feel like what's happened to me is the more I know, the more I realize I don't know, and the more humble I become, because I realize every minute I think I am tempted to be puffed up because I I could walk in that easily, and then I realize oh my goodness I have, I have I know nothing. So the more I know, the more I realize I don't know, and I know from hiring that's one of the things I'm listening for for someone to not know everything and just say I realize the more I'm learning, the more I don't know, and the more I need to learn. I love that. That's humble. That's hungry. Chris, there's, this goes by so fast. And uh, I just going to ask you one of the crazy questions and I'm going to ask you to pray for us um, because I have to ask you for Matt's sake, uh, how do you eat your M&Ms? How do I eat my M&Ms? Oh, interesting. Um, well, currently I have tried to not eat M&Ms. Um, you know, uh, over Hanukkah, I ate a lot of donuts. And so I gained 10 pounds. And so I'm currently not eating M&Ms. Um, <laughs> but I would say if I'm going to eat an M&M, uh, first, uh, it's got to be a peanut M&M. That's my preference. Okay. Uh, I have to eat the top half first to save the bottom half with the nut in the center. I'm then going to extract the nut. And th- this is where theologies and cults come. So you, you, you eat the nut out of it and then you savor after you have a little bit of saltiness, you savor the, the candy shell and the chocolate. So now, now I'm going to have to really strive today to be delivered from my desire to go eat M&Ms. <laughs> so I want to know, do you eat them by color or do you, does it by the handful or is it one by one or? Um, traditionally it's one by one. Uh, but, um, you know, I like to, mi- I'd like to mix it up on people. So, uh, the first time I ever went to lead worship at bed of me, uh, they had asked me, you know, what do you want? Like, what, what do you need? What does it take to bring you in? You know, some of these people have all these writers and all these things. And so jokingly, I said, I want a gold microphone. I want a new car and I want only green M&Ms <laughs> and no joke. When I showed up, here's a little, here's a little hot wheel of like a little thing they put on the thing. They had taken the cheapest, probably a $5 microphone from Walmart, spray painted it gold. And they had went out and literally pulled all these M&Ms and just put green M&Ms in there. And so I felt so horrible because I was totally joking, but they were so cool that they did it. And so um, I like to mix it up. You know, there's rumors out there that I'm only a green M&M guy. There's rumors I only do the caramel M&Ms. It's a lot easier when I'm just fasting from M&Ms and sugar uh, as a whole uh but um yeah normally i'm a i'm a one per i'm a one you know just one at a time you know one at a time. and I, and we heard you separating it so you'll have to go back and listen to erica and matt as 
that's a question asking. It's fun to hear everyone dividing by color, how they eat it. It's been it's been interesting. You'll begin to see the uh, OCD ness of Matt. That was that was fun. So now he, now there's yeah. the joke of yep. I have to ask the question. Would you pray for every yeah. all of us as we leave today? And I want to first of, of all course. thank you because we'll we'll close out right after that. Thank you again. Thank you everyone for listening. Please be sure I'm going to put everywhere that you can find. Chris, in the show notes, um, why don't you just tell us quickly, where's the best place for them to stalk you? Uh, honestly, it's hff.church. Um, you know, everything that my family is doing uh, right now, ministerial-wise, is predominantly there. Uh, yes, there's still Mason Clover, and things happen on social media there, but pretty much Mason Clover now is just a vehicle to get the word out to people who... Um, they need a healthy church. They need a healthy place, uh, community to feel safe. And so hff.church uh, has all the real information, teaching articles, uh, Pastor Brent, uh, deacons. Like we have, a, we have a really good leadership team. It's not just me and my wife. And so a lot of great material there. You want to know what's going on with me, my wife, my family. That's, that's one of the best places to do so, hff.church. Perfect. Let's, let's pray for an HFF Northwest Arkansas. So anyways, I'll throw that out there really quick. Okay, Amen. pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for the revelation of your word. We thank you for the revelation of your son, Jesus. We thank you for the opportunity to come together and just share the testimony. Lord, your your word says that we'll overcome this life, we'll overcome the struggles, we'll overcome all things only by the blood of Jesus and the word of our testimony. So thank you for for Charlie and the opportunity to, to share the testimony of what you've done and are doing in our life and the many others that have come on and will come on in the future. Lord, uh, today specifically, I pray for, for Charlie and her family that you would continue to bless them. You would continue to just uh, outpour the revelation of what's the next steps in their lives, not only from from a ministry standpoint, but in their marriage, in their relationship with their children, their grandchildren, their friends, their community, anything that they put their hands to or their minds to, Lord, that your divine revelation would be outpoured upon them. Uh, anybody who's listening uh, to this podcast, Lord, that they would uh, they would see you that they would see the fruit of what you've yeah. done in my life, my family's life, Lord, that, uh, that there wouldn't be any accolades to me. You know, I, I get in the way, Lord, and you know that better than anybody else, but that they would see you. They would see the testimony of what you've done in my heart and my life, that you would see, they would see the testimony and they would judge it the way your word says to, that a, that a good tree can only produce good fruit and a bad tree can only produce bad fruit and that they would judge it rightly by the word, Lord, and that they would be open to receive your power, your spirit. You know, one of the things in the Messianic movement we need more than ever, Lord, is the outpouring of your Holy Spirit so that we can walk in the Ephesians calling that you've given to each and every one of us. And so we bless you. We bless you for the good. We bless you for the trials. We bless you for the abundance and we bless you for the times of scarcity. Lord, to continue to have your way uh, to every person who listens to this, Lord, uh, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And that's a wrap on another Messiantics adventure, my fellow spiritual adventurers. From splitting red seas of laughter to stumbling upon mana mishaps, we've truly experienced the full spectrum of Messianic marvels and Torah tales. Remember folks, as we navigate the sometimes bewildering but always beautiful path of faith, it's okay to have a few loose ends along the way. Embracing the messiness of life is what makes our journey genuine and our connection with Adonai so meaningful. Before we go, let's take a moment to thank our incredible guests who shared their story, insights, and aha moments with us. 
And of course, a big thank you to you, our amazing listeners. Without you, we'd just be folks sitting in here with a microphone, and that's just not as fun. We'll catch up with you next time on Messy Antics, where the Torah is our compass and laughter is our guiding star. Stay joyful, stay curious, and may your days be filled with blessings that are as abundant as manna in the wilderness. And help us out by liking, subscribing, and leaving us that five-star review.